What's up, guys? Welcome to the first ever episode 229 of the Kind of Funny Games cast. As always, I'm Tim Geddes, joined by one of the coolest dudes in video games, Greg Miller. I put this Superman sticker on my notebook. Wow. I've had a whole bunch of stickers for a while. Mm-hmm. You know, remember this? Mm-hmm. She, This woman who made it, whose mm-hmm. name is escaping me, it's on here as Tainted Sweets. Tainted Sweets? Works at Marvel now. Oh. Big deal. Remember, she fancy. freaked out when I got the that's tour. That's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What's the notebook? This is my oh, Judges Week notebook. Oh. And so now that we can finally... Whoo, Blow the dust off of some COD yeah. multiplayer two v two left and right. Here we exciting go. stuff. Yeah, finally. I'm sure, we'll talk about that today. And joining us again, the busiest lady in the business, Andrea Renee. What's good, Tim? A lot of things are good. Yeah, Video man. Video games are good. Video games are cool. And on the 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 shock mic today for a little bit, we got Tom Bach, the Tom Bach, who also is a Patreon producer for this month. Hey, so yeah. thank you very much. And while I'm at it, shout out to James Hastings as well. You guys making the show happen. Tom so Bach much you're here. An alum. An alum. He's yeah, been on the show he's before. He's been on right? the yeah. Game yeah. Company Games cast. It's fantastic stuff. Yeah. He's there. Joey's going to join us uh, in a little bit to talk about the Dark Pictures Anthology. Mm-hmm. Man, Man of the Dawn. <laughs> I'm excited to hear about this. You should be. That's some cool stuff. You better strap Very in, cool buddy, because you're a coward and this game's going to break you. Wow. Are you, are you not a scaredy cat? Are you not a scaredy I, cat? I don't know if I would cl- classify myself as a coward. I'm scared. That's what I heard. I, I make noises. I yelp. Yeah. But I do it. I'm yeah. excited about it. I sure. like scary things. I'm not like Andy. You're not like Kevin. That's a great point, actually. <laughs> yeah, Kevin doesn't play scary Kevin things. Kevin straight up said he wouldn't play this game this morning. This game? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Coward. Man. God. All right, whatever. I was gonna be mean, but you know, what? I'm not gonna. He's not in the room. You, can talk you guys can him. fill in your own blanks about what I was gonna say about Kevin. Ooh, I like, uh, like Patreon supporters at the silver <laughs> membership or above get to watch this show live as we record it. You can get the show three days early and get the full exclusive pre and post show. Or if you don't want to do that, it's cool. Monday, you can get it on YouTube.com/slash Kind of Funny Games or on RoosterTeeth.com or on podcast services. Just search for Kinda Funny games cast like i said our patreon producers this month tom bach and james hastings the men the myth the legends thank you all for all of your support in any which way you're doing great how are you doing i'm great tim i was just telling andrea that i feel like i haven't talked to her in a long time i feel like i haven't talked to you in a long time yeah people it's hard for people to wrap their heads around that one i think in terms of such a small office only eight of us right and then obviously contractors in every day but for you and me co-founders we're in the same room but it's rare we're actually in the same room yeah, we all off doing our own thing. We're all checked out. Yeah, we're all on email. I'm doing bopping around. Doing, yeah, I know. Comic Con next week. Woo! Marvel Games panel. Woo! Very Hall H. Do you know things that we I can't do know yet? Know. I do. Really? I know a lot of things. You so guys. So what, can't what know. games are you guys talking about? Is it the? It's the big three. Trying to get me to break my fucking embargo. No, 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 no. You want to go? Square, Square Enix put out a press release this morning announcing that they will be doing the first gameplay reveal to the public at the Hall H panel. For Marvel's Avengers, that was in a press release, so that is public knowledge. Well, it's public. Not the, I remember there was games. I just remember what the third one was. There's Iron Man VR. Uh-huh. There was Avengers. What's the third one? I didn't see Ultimate anything Alliance, else in the press baby. release. Yeah, yeah Marvel games yeah. put out the image early on when they, they announced, announced it. it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Got you. Yeah, yeah. Wow. Yeah, they're, they're coming pretty hard. They're That's coming cool. super hard, and that was the thing about it. Where you know this is. Uh, Three, year Third? three, three, yeah. the year three of hosting the Marvel Games panel, and obviously each and every year I go there. I'm excited to talk to devs, see what they have with their sleeves, yada yada. This is the stick with me. The smallest amount of games we've had on the panel before. It is the longest panel we've ever done, and it's a, it's the first time where every one of the games we're talking about are games that I'm super fucking excited for. Interesting, because I remember last year was the first time I saw you do it. My first time ever in Hall H. That sure. was exciting stuff. Yeah, yeah. And uh, you guys, the big thing was Spider Man. Right, of course. Which is crazy to think that that game wasn't out. Right, I know. <laughs> like, it feels like it's been out forever now. I know, but, I know. But yeah, that was the, we got to see the kind of reveal of Silver Sable. 
yeah. in that. Right, right, and right. Then, yeah, we got to meet the voice actress and everything else. And yeah, all yeah. that. And then the limited edition PS4 Pro. Right, yeah. The sexy red one. That did really well for me. That was cool. Twitter-wise. But then, yeah, there was a lot of, like, I would call filler games in it. Well, Marvel Games does there. have such a, you know, it's the tendrils that are in everything, right? So it was, like, Strike Force and this and mobile game updates and stuff like that. And, uh, oh, that was, I guess, year one, right, where Sinzaro came out and shot, did Marvel Powers Unite VR and stuff like that. Mm. There's all those things where the, I think it's more of a, hey, we have a. That was last year, too. Was it, they it, did it, that. Yeah, Matt right they, there? Cool. Matt maybe it was like I think they announced Spider-Man for that. Okay, for that, that makes one. sense. And a couple other characters. And that's the thing. The first they first showed that two years ago, though, right? Right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I remember I being there for the new reveal. characters yeah, yeah, yeah. with the VR stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, they have a, you know, a wide library, right? A, a gigantic library of games they're working on at any time. And I think we're going to get you know updates on some of those. But yeah, these are the three that were coming out uh, full guns blaring up. Do you think, Tim? Since mm-hmm. I can't ask Greg because he <laughs> might know. Um, that they're going to show the behind closed doors demo of Avengers in full at the panel. I mean, if you're saying that the press release said that it's going to be the, the public debut of gameplay, gameplay, I imagine. I don't think that there's going to be much more than that ready to show this soon mm, after that's E3. Possible. And usually when you look at different, you know, kind of games announced at E3 that then follow up at Comic-Con, it is usually the behind closed doors stuff that they show. Square's done that a lot. You've done that a lot. I hope they do, because I really liked that demo. And really? Yeah. Mm. Didn't we talk about this post I don't remember. Maybe. You saw it, though, right? I did. I did yeah. not like it so much. Oh, I did. Yeah. See, yeah. normally, I'm a Black Widow hater. But oh. after that demo, I was well, like... she was the only good part of it. Her combat was the I best. Saw. Yeah. So, totally. Absolutely. Hers was the only thing I'm like, this looks fun. Yeah. And then it cut to quick time events. Like, yeah, well, we'll see how this goes. But, exciting stuff. Is there anything else for Comic-Con games-wise that we're looking forward to? Because I feel like... Games at Comic Con's never been the biggest thing. Yeah. But no. usually there's at least like a something. You know, Nintendo. I, think, I mean Marvel's the biggest presence. one. Yeah, yeah, we talked about that I think yesterday, right? Where we talked about like if I haven't gotten an have email about Lite, Nintendo yeah. or whatever in terms of going to see the games like they normally do. Oh, I, do you think the Switch Lite will be there? Comic Con might be too soon. Or remember, not. You never yeah. know. But it'll be at PAX West undoubtedly if it's coming out in September. Comic-Con was the first hands-on um, like preview for the NES Classic and SNES Classic, if I remember correctly. It's only, what, two months away from launch at that point? I don't point? think it's going to be there. Yeah. I, think, you would, I think that would have been a beat you put in your press release and the first time you can see it, even if it's just behind a glass box, right? It's yeah. going to be at Comic-Con. I think you would have promoted that. If I'm Nintendo, but of course Nintendo. Yeah, but if I was Nintendo, I would have done my announcement at E3. So who knows what they're gonna do? Why you can own the moment right now? Own the moment, dude. They you know how many games had two two thumbnails thumbnails on games daily? Like, can you get more? They would have owned the moment during E3 too. No, they wouldn't. Yes, they would have. They own the moment. Yeah, exactly. You're right. Tell us what you know, Greg. You coward. Tell us what you know. No, I can't do that. Sorry, I won't break embargoes unlike Tim. Wow. Wow. He Just because I want to talk there. about Death Stranding in the pre-show with my exclusive insight. <laughs> you know what I mean? Patreon. We just wanted you to blow it up. Just go games. do it. You know what I mean? Jesus. Give it all away. God, yeah, guys. so I'm super excited for uh, that at Comic-Con. I think it's going to be a really, really good panel. I think they have a lot of really cool shit to announce and show. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I, I think that's great because you you guys, you did a great job last year, but the Marvel Games guys are great. Sure. And I feel Anytime like I get this, to work is the, with Bill? Come on. this is the first fun. time yeah. that there's a, a lineup of games that like have the potential to be, to, to matter, to right. really matter, you know, not just Spider-Man. So. Yeah. And that's what's interesting about it too, is like, obviously, you know, since that PlayStation VR event where they let us play Iron Man, I've been preaching the word of how good that game is to see what the update is on that to actually get that to a Hall H sized panel of like, hey, no, this game actually makes you feel like Iron Man. Here's a video. Here's what we're going to show. Here's what we're going to talk about. Like, that's super exciting on top of the fact that you figure for it, for Ultimate Alliance, right? The game's out the next day. 
And then mm-hmm. the fact that, yeah, Avengers looking forward and actually getting wow. a, a review of all that stuff. It's crazy stuff, yeah, man. Yeah. yeah, Yubi's backing out of Comic-Con this year. Are they backing out or they just didn't go? They just didn't go. Okay, okay. But whatever you want to call that it. That makes sense. They don't really have anything to show this year. Yeah, but they usually, even when they don't have something to show, they're there and they, like, they kind of like have a huge presence on the show floor and they throw their big boat parties and stuff. Well, they don't have an Assassin's Creed to promote this year, and that's mm. probably one of their more popular brands that has a comic book element to it. Last year, I hosted a panel for The Division 2 because they released their new uh, Division um, comic and along with the mm-hmm. the novel that they were talking about um, and how it ties into the narrative of The Division 2, but obviously... They're, they don't have anything new to report there because they're promoting the launch of episode one, which is happening. So that makes sense that UB's not there because what are they going to do something for Ghost Recon? That doesn't make sense. Hey, man, they got the Punisher in their game. Yeah. Here's my dog. It's me and my dog. Got the burn. <laughs> oh, cool, John. Yeah, was nice. his name Tam Tam or something? Bam Bam. Yeah. Bam, Bam Bam. Yeah. He was Woo. cute, though. He was cute. Tam, he was Bam cute. Bam was adorable. So it was You got to love it. You got to love it. All right. Enough about Comic-Con. I want to talk about a video game, but it is embargoed for people watching live, so we're going to have to put the stream audio down for a little bit, but we'll be back. Oh, we did figure live, this out. This is how we're going to do it. Yes. Okay. Yes. You ready for that, Barrett? Right. We'll Bringing the back, audio guys. down in three, two, one. It should be down. I just want to get quick confirmation from Joey to make sure that it's going to Joey, be Joey, can you hear me? I don't know. Joey, can you hear me? <laughs> She'll find out. No, I'm excited to go to Comic-Con, though. Yeah, cool. you're going to get to actually like vacation at Comic-Con. My first, Andrea, this is my first ever convention, period, that I'm just going for fun. Good for you. No work. Really? After about 100 total. Yeah, it's going to be cool. Very exciting yeah. stuff. I'm trying to remember the first time I went to a con and didn't work. Probably, mm, no, I worked that one. Mm, um, Chicago mm, Comic-Con. Mm, That's me, baby. Never went Little to Greg that. Miller. Little Greg mm. Mills. As an adult, never gone to a con for fun. Are you kidding me? That's work. Yeah, that's why I was like, I'm sure I'm getting to work somehow. Yeah, yeah, but like, yeah. Oh, whatever. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. People fun. are hitting me up like, hold crew here? Yeah. yeah. It's like, I'm sure. We'll see what's up. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I, don't know, right. I don't know if I have gone to a con mm. just for work or just for fun before. It's going to be weird. It's going to be cool, though. We good? We good. Cool. I want to talk to you guys about Fire Emblem oh. Three Houses coming out very soon. The yeah. Nintendo Switch kind of summer of fun begins. Yeah, we had Mario Maker Two, and then we got this, and then we got Marvel Ultimate Alliance. Alliance. You got Astral Chain coming out, just like you know what I mean, leading into Zelda: Link's Awakening. All exciting stuff. Um, I am about two, a little over two hours, maybe okay. a little in between two and two and a half hours into Fire Emblem Three Houses. I played in my Switch in bed. Next to Gia while she fell asleep. Um, when you were playing it, so did great. you wish it was the Nintendo Switch Lite? Uh, no, not particularly. I was okay with it. You don't need a great D-pad just make for, sure, just for make this sure. game. No. Um, everyone knows I'm a big fan of Fire Emblem. Uh, my first kind of takeaway is this is a very different Fire Emblem. Really? Yes. Uh, it. They do not have the signature... Um, kind of triangle weapon-based system going on where the rock, paper, scissors sure. with the lance, swords, and axes. Um, it is, it's class-based, and it's much more similar to the last Fire Emblem game that came out, which was um, Fire Emblem Echoes, Shadow of Valencia, or whatever it was. There was a remake of one of the OG original uh, Fire Emblem games that is a bit more, again, class-based and more focused on building your team out. Um, and instead of focusing more on the kind of like unit per unit battles it is more like strategically thinking about placement of everybody um and i haven't totally wrapped my head around it yet i'm enjoying it a lot what i do love about the game though is the presentation of the story so it is entirely harry potter meets game of thrones meets anime just together it's like three really good things together with the cons of those things as well 
Um, the biggest con being the the anime. Like, there's a incongruence to it all with the video versus gameplay. Like, I'm not like the best person at being able to differentiate like frames per second and all that shit. Sure. But I'm pretty sure that the cutscenes, of which there are many, especially in the beginning, um, they're beautiful and they're great, and the voice acting's awesome, and the characters are cool, and like everything about that's great. But I feel like they're running at 24 frames per second, which is like movies looking, yeah, but the yeah, game's yeah. not. So when you have them back to back, like they look choppy Jarring. as hell, okay. and it, it, it like kind of like takes away from the the visual fidelity of it all, which is kind of a bummer because this is the first console Fire Emblem we've gotten since Fire Emblem became relevant in the West. Like we we had games on the GameCube and obviously before that like the NES and stuff, but um, Awakening on the 3DS is really what kind of gave this franchise like the steroids to become one of the top Nintendo franchises. Um, but it very much seems like a console version of Fire Emblem being made now. Um, it looks very targeted at people that have played Persona and maybe haven't given Fire Emblem a shot, but now have a switch and are like cool i'm gonna get into this sure um you were asking me if i recommend it to you yeah you hit me up and said do you want a code and i was like do i you tell me because i don't i've never played a fire emblem and i've never been really drawn to it i've heard good things about it but and it's weird because i i love the games and based on the gameplay of the other ones i totally was like give it a shot you're gonna like this but a lot of the gameplay that i love has changed so okay. i don't know necessarily that i would recommend it to to new players off the bat unless you're interested in playing a very long RPG that is like if the Harry Potter Game of Thrones anime thing sounds appealing to you at all. It's the anime part that throws me. The, first the anime part like, just looks like you can like get past that. So you're if talking about big old scantily clad. There's a couple titties. of those. There's 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 definitely a fair share of titties in there. One of the teachers in the game. So it all takes place at the school. <laughs> oh, it all takes place at the school. Black room glasses. And she always like, doing this, and she's always dude, like, it's just like it's a I little. Played an, I have played an anime it's game. It's excessive. Before. <laughs> it's ex there's there's just a lot of boob on some of these teachers. You're it like, sounds like an anime right, game, like, all right. That seems inappropriate to this be must teaching, be teaching this, this class. Right? <laughs> titties. Um, oh yeah, <laughs> you can find them. <laughs> Fire them. Anime titties. Yeah, definitely. The internet got you back. No, so. Boiling it down, there are three houses in this game, and that's where kind of the Game of Thrones, uh, Harry Potter elements come into play here. Um, it's more Game of Thrones in the sense that everyone has a really stupid name that I'm never going to remember, Perfect, and I don't understand why the, the world needs to be called like Fartside, and then like the other things like Flogel Songs and whatever. I'm like, whoa, just like maybe. Well, they wanted to make sure you understand it's not your world. You know what but I mean? what they do a good job of is making everything very simple for stupid people like me, Perfect. and it's all color-coded. So it's like, Good. oh, the yellow guys. Got it. <laughs> oh, the got blue it, guys. It, oh, it, the it, red it. guys. Cool. So there's the three different kingdoms, and it pains me. You need to make the choice, man. Fire Emblem, all about the choice. It okay. is this permadeath idea where you go into battle. If one of your characters dies, they're gone. They don't come back in the story. Mm -hmm. They're just, they're mm -hmm. over. And it's, it's really satisfying, and you realize you're hooked to this game. When your character dies, you're like, well, that's it. I'm restarting this 40-minute mission over again because I'm not We're losing not Jill. Lose I'm not losing my, my palate in Jill. You know what I mean? Um, but there's choices you have to make in this game more so than any of the Fire Emblems I've played so far. Even in just two hours, there's choices you're making that are changing the path of what you're doing. And from uh, what people that are a little farther than me were telling me is that um, those choices kind of like follow you throughout the game. And each of the three houses, depending on what choice you make, has very different story beats, which is similar to the last or two Fire Emblem games ago, Fates, that was split into three different games. That 
is now back in one game total. So they're not trying to milk the money from every which way. It's just milk money. you get this, the whole story. You can only just beat one of the houses and be happy. You get a full story. Or if you want to keep going, this is the most replayable Fire Emblem thus far, okay. Okay. which is all good stuff. Um, but choosing one of the houses is a big choice you have to make early on. And God, it took me way too long because I'm like, I really the yellow yeah. guy, man, personality wise. Is it like you're choosing the, you're your starter Pokemon? It kind of is, but it's like you don't really get enough to go in like, of really understanding the different like styles of these characters. But I'm like, I like this guy's vibe and the leader of the classes, those three right there. So why, yeah, I was like, why don't you just pick the blue? It's you because that's what I'm saying. It was hard for me to not choose the blue, pick but the he blue. has such a stick up his ass, and I'm like, just like you. I don't like you and your uh-huh. weird, your weird, weird friends. It's like, no, nah, man. Like I'm. I want to just so hang you out yellow. vibe. I want yellow, man. So you're telling me once and for all, you're yellow and not Andy's blue. That, that. No, I'm not saying that. But I'm saying it's like, it's these are the type of joke. tough decisions the Fire Emblem makes you make, Greg. Burn blue, Andy. You know? Yeah. But it, it made, I cared enough about this yellow guy that I chose him over blue. Like, that should say something. That does say something. Know? That means you did a lot of work there. I like so the homework. The the core of this game breaks down into, the old games used to essentially just be, you have your mission, which is kind of like a uh, tactical RPG chess-based grid system you go through you fight it used to be rock paper scissors type stuff that's all still here modified instead of rock paper scissors um there's it's your weapon degrades right you have a certain amount of points you can go move your characters each character can move a certain amount of spaces it's all about spacing and then when you get near enemies you can see what their attack and defense is what your attack and defense is it's all number based and how many like uh numbers are going to go down on your weapon if you use it there's these combat arts that you can learn that are like the advanced skills. Those use more of your weapon de- weapon degradation. So it's like it's all strategy of like trying to figure yeah. out how to to use your units. But now there's a new thing of instead of in between those. Uh, matches it used to be like this whole just menu based system of a lot of support conversations where you can be like what are the characters up to and you can kind of just it was just all text based stuff go to the store or whatever but it was all in a menu. Now you actually walk around the school. So you can, and this was introduced in the last game, but I feel like this one really kind of is nailing it, where it is more like a traditional RPG, 3D gameplay. You're, you're walking around talking to people, and that's what this game is all about, is these characters, the interactions. So far, I'm loving the writing. I really care about the characters, and I want to see my class succeed and fuck up the other classes. Um, it reminds me more of Game of Thrones than Harry Potter in the sense of the houses having their kind of like... Like one of them is like a deer, and one like they have their animals, the lion and stuff, and they really, really care about the pride of all of it. What are you talking about? Come on! But it doesn't seem as like lighthearted and, and like goofy as like the Hufflepuffs and the the Ravenclaws and the Harry Potter side sure, of the okay. world. Like they do take it really seriously, and there is big threats going on, and it's all backed up by just classic stellar gameplay of the the, the matches. And it looks dope. It's it's really good. I just wish that the the looks of it would match up a bit more with the the gameplay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Where I don't love the look of the the grid system. Like it looks like cuz they this is the first time they've ever stuck with the same art style for like cutscenes and gameplay gameplay itself. Whereas like on the 3DS it was a big issue with Awakening where there's three separate art styles. You were either um seeing your character in the text-based thing, it's like beautifully hand-drawn um cartoons or you're in the actual the grid system itself was mm. pixelated and yeah. it looked so rad. Oh, or it took me titties. four trailers to find boobs. Hey, they they know oh, that's to hide her. Them. That's her. Yeah, and what? she's wearing a swimsuit to class. She's, Big deal. Yeah, she's a teacher. I guess. I guess. <laughs> um, but in Awakening, it was weird because there'd be these uh, like polygon models of the characters as well that you see in cutscenes, and it was fucking hideous. So it's like each character would have three different designs that you'd have to like understand who they are and it's like okay. a color base you can kind of figure it out sure, sure. now it's like they all they always look the same which is good but 
I miss the pixel-based look of the, the gameplay before because I feel like it makes the gameplay here look a little... Uh, dated. Or not dated, but looks, simple. It, simple. Yeah, it, it looks simple. And um, so I'm definitely excited to keep playing it. You've interested me. You've piqued I, my interest. Tim. I want to see if you'll like it because there's, there's also this whole calendar system now where in between each big match, there's you get, a, you get a week. Yes, you get one week to, to deal with stuff and teach your kids different skills because you are mm. the teacher. And um, then you go into the battles and stuff, whether the battles are against the other classes for practice or if there's actual real threats out there, story based. And I'm really liking the story so far. I, I I've stayed out of really much of this. Like we watched the directs at E3, but I even then didn't, wasn't really sure. paying attention. And I'm totally invested so far. Huh. I think I think they're they're really well written characters, and the gameplay is great. I still haven't wrapped my head around like where the challenge is going to come from uh, because I was so used to the rock paper scissors stuff, but. Um, it's cool shit. Hey, Tim, who do you updated. think the audience is, though? If you said it's, because I've never played Fire Emblem either, never yeah, touched it. Yeah. Do you think it is for the, the hardcore Fire Emblem people, even though the gameplay is different, or do you think they really are trying to get other genre people to check it out? I really think that this is their attempt at making this as mainstream as possible to, like, just be like, hey, guys, do you have a Switch? Like, all you people that weren't Nintendo people that now are Nintendo people, you should give this one a shot. Yeah. And I think that them making it one game instead of three is, like, trying to simplify it that way. Um, I will say that I so far, I think Awakening on 3DS was a better entry point early on mm. for people that have never played before because you start playing that and it's like, oh, I get what this is and you either like it or you don't. I'm a little over two hours in and like there's just a lot of story yeah. and it's like I've only really done like two of the, the main missions. missions and I'm like, that's a long time to like really tough jumping into be getting into this but yeah. I mean, also that's what hooked me. people on in people like me it's what hooked them on persona right Ditto. it was making me yeah, care about right. the world and the characters before totally. i ever had to start battling i never and, thought i would like it and it's like you know and that's game. my thing this is a different fire emblem game so i need to to not like judge too quickly sure. because it is it is different it is not what it used to be there and i need, i need to see if i like this and so far i'm really really enjoying it and i i, I can't wait to huh. keep playing it so i'm yeah, interested interesting. But, yeah. you sold me on it too. Yeah. I think yeah. you have to be predisposed to like JRPGs, though, to even be interested in learning about the Fire Emblem characters and the storyline in the world. Because there's nothing that I've seen and nothing that you've said is like setting off my interest meter like at all. Here, here's my thing. Uh, I would even, <laughs> take... but that's the kind of game gamer I am, right? Like totally. I don't, I don't that's play cool. this style of game ever. I would take JRPG out of it entirely. Like this. It's not a JRPG. It is a strategy tactical RPG. strategy yeah. RPG, right? And I mean, looking at it right now, it's giving me, like, you know, the difference. But, like, when you get into the fight fight there, right? Like, Valkyria Chronicles vibe. Mm-hmm. Which, actually, I, and, but, and I know that whenever I talked about Valkyria, people told me I should play this. It also has, like, XCOM overlay system in terms of hex based Yeah, the grid base is a very particular style of gameplay, right? Yeah. Like, you have to be ready in your mind that, that you're going into this type of tactical game. The pitch I would have for you, now that mm-hmm. I'm trying to sell you on it, but right. I would say to, to lean into the Game of Thrones side of it. Like, it is story, like, the anime bit is just the look. Like, right. story-wise and, like, character-wise, it is fantasy, like, epic fantasy stuff. And I feel like that's right up your alley there. It is. And the way they present the story and stuff, it, like, it is the Battle of Kingdoms and all this stuff. And, and the other thing is, like, this is one of those games where you need to know nothing about the other games. There's no connections. Well, that's good. Fire Emblem Three Houses is all you need to know. You can jump in and know everything. Um, so, exciting stuff. Interesting. Interesting. Stay tuned for more. I will definitely be playing um, more. Also, I thought it was funny that the... This person broke embargo mm. and it goes to a 404 now. Damn. Unlike me, I didn't break embargo. Uh, Barrett, you can now. All right, hold on. Bring back the volume. 
Doing a quick time code really quick. Please don't stop the music. And we're going back to stream audio in three, two, one. And so that's Death Stranding. That is, <laughs> in fact, Death Stranding. Uh, Greg, hey, Dr. Mario World, right. everyone's favorite mobile Ooh, game. Ooh, I started playing this last night. So are you further than where we were talking about yesterday? Because I, I thought... I hadn't even opened it yesterday. Okay, I okay. have it now. So where are you in the I'm game? still in the tutorial. Like, I, it's, oh, I think if, I, I play... like World, um, let's see, 14 or something? I don't world know. 14 or level 14 or whatever. Like, are you on the you're on the 14th square of the thing? Or yeah, it? I, it, I, it still feels to me like I, I played for like an hour. Gotcha. A little okay. less than an hour because I still have my unlimited hearts. Okay, yeah, yeah, so. yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, I mean, so I have no, I'm not a Dr. Mario kid. I wasn't raised with a Nintendo, obviously, so Dr. Mario's always been something I've seen. I'm like, oh, I should like that based on Tetris and Luminous and everything else. Never given it a shot. Uh, obviously, this dropped on iOS. Uh, downloaded it, dropped it there. Didn't realize it was like doing the match three thing, fighting all these different uh, viruses. So I started playing on the train. And again, it was this is just top level. Hey, I, it's not it's not the main game I played this week. Uh, I... I'm interested in it. I, I, I'm still in the hour of unlimited hearts where I'm not having to get nickel and dime my microtransactions or anything. Yeah. I, I was wondering more if you were going to play it and how you'd come down on Dr. Mario. I'm also not a Dr. Mario yeah. guy. Neither oh, see, of you. I, I am so Dr. Mario. I love Dr. Mario. One of my favorite, favorite games of the Super Mario Brothers franchise. Spent countless hours playing Dr. Mario. So it's a, a good super fan attack then. on iOS. Then I'm in. It's coming. Didn't you know see Tetris that? Tetris Battle Royale? Yeah, Tetris Battle Royale is coming. To but, mobile. No, 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 no. Tetris Attack. Yeah, but Tetris, de- Tetris is coming. Tetris Attack. Tetris Battle Royale. Real quick, guys. Uh, I've never played Dr. Morrow before, and I skipped the tutorial, which was a mistake. But <laughs> uh, I eventually un- got it, and with like that hour of like unlimited play, I got to like level 30-something. Nice. I fucking love this it's game. Great. Oh, my yeah. God. It's so good. Yeah. It's a lot of fun. I Are you worried about the microtransaction stuff? So I got to the point... In, I think it was level 27 where I ran out, my hour ran out. Um, and then if you're good, you can keep playing for a while. Because mm-hmm. it does, every time you clear a level for the first time, it gives you another heart. And I played for an additional like 30 minutes. Like the, as you go, the levels get harder. Yeah, but it's, it's a lot of fun. I really, really like it. Well, and that's my thing is again not knowing Doctor Mario and just going and playing with it and stuff. I see where I could really, I, I would really get into this. So Andrea, as a as someone that has played the original Doctor Mario yes. extensively, and now this, how does the gameplay differ? So what, the first thing you're going to notice is that there is touch integration. So. Traditionally, in Dr. Mario, it functions a lot like Tetris, where the the capsule, the color capsule, would drop from the top, and then you would need to match it to the viruses below. Now, this way, it goes the other direction. It goes from the bottom up, but what it's great about it is that you can free move the capsule around with your finger, and then once you let go, then it slowly drifts upwards. Mm. And once you've let go of the capsule, you can no longer bring it back down, but if you keep your finger pressed on the screen, you can essentially move it anywhere you want, which really gives you a lot of strategic uh, choices because in traditional Dr. Mario, you essentially have unlimited capsules until you fail the level or until you clear the level. And here you have a limited amount of capsules, so you have to very carefully think about how you're going to use them. You can't just kind of willy-nilly drop them around. I've just gotten into a couple of levels where they've opened up all of the items, and so I haven't really dug deep into what the items do and things like that. But I love how when it comes to the puzzle mechanic of the game, they utilize the mobile interface to give it its own twist, so it's not just a direct skin of classic Dr. Mario. Though I would play that if it available yeah i would cool. prefer that because i'm not i love dr mario but this isn't really doing it for me and just how makes, far are you 
I'm. I think I just finished my la, my unlimited hour. Gotcha. And there's something about the limited capsules where it's like maybe I'm just not good at good enough at it in this way that it just is like what am I doing wrong? I don't know. See, I dig it. Like that's the thing is like playing it right there, even just to get going. I'm I'm level ten right now or whatever the stage ten. Mm-hmm. Like I can totally see where I'm gonna come back to that. And even though I haven't run into the wall of microtransactions that people have talked about or the limited playtime, I think for me that won't be a big deal since I'm not the biggest mobile gamer. Where I do feel like that'll be I'm on the bus. Okay, cool. I'm out of my five lives or whatever, or I'm right. not, and I'm just gonna turn it off and walk away and let it refresh over the thirty minutes. Yeah, I think that they're doing a lot of really neat things with uh, the match three element. It's not a traditional match three like when we first talked about it being match three i thought it was going to be something much different like than it is um i thought it was going to be a little bit more candy crush ah, okay. um but i like that the way they're incorporating the match three with this and i think it's got a lot of potential i'm going to need to play like substantially more to see how the microtransactions are later on because i i remember the very first time i played candy crush i got probably to like level 60 or 70 before I like hit the paywall. Yeah. Um, but then once you get to those upper levels, you hit the paywall faster and faster and faster because the levels get increasingly more difficult. And that's the challenging part about these free-to-play games. And we, you know, we were talking about it on Games Daily earlier this week, and I was reflecting on that conversation because obviously a lot of people were leaving comments on the video about microtransactions in, in mobile games specifically. And I think the challenge for mobile game developers is how do we extend our gameplay much like a live service game, like a Destiny or Division or whatever, uh, but for a mobile market and make it feel rewarding, but also, you know, to continue to make revenue from it. And I would love an example, particularly like from a best friend or somebody who also plays mobile games that has a game that they think is not an egregious example of these timed microtransactions. Um, that plays consistently. Because I think the real key is like what Greg was saying, I pick it up, I play it for a few minutes, I'm done, I don't really feel the paywall. But I can imagine wanting to sit down and play this for like easily an hour at a time. That was my issue back in the day with Peggle Blast. I loved it. But the paywall stuff, it's like, well, you're ruining my experience entirely. Yeah. Yeah, see, but that's the thing where I feel like, and I don't, and I only speak for myself, I guess, where with this one versus a a game like Peggle, where I feel like Peggle's like, one more, one more, one more, let's go, let's go, let's go. Like when I, I, even in these early levels, when I'm accomplishing it and I clear it, I'm like, oh God, I got three stars. Cool. I feel like that's always a good, I can click it off stopping point. Like I don't, I'm going to, I'll play more, sure, if I have more time. But if I also, as I usually do, get distracted by Twitter or Instagram or email or whatever, like I'm going to move on. Hmm. Where I, I, I guess it's just the, for me, it's a distraction game mm-hmm. where it is just something that's not, I don't think I'm ever going to be like, I kind of forgotten about, I put it on there because I put that on there yesterday, right? Clearly on the ride home last night and when I got home last night, I wasn't pulled to go yeah. play Dr. Mm. Mario, right? Mm. Like I, it's something that's there when I want to play it and I'm not like, oh, jonesing to go get into this version. Yeah. Maybe as it gets more difficult and starts, you know, challenging me and tweaking me or something, it'll be a different story, but. Who knows? Staying in the mobile game realm, before we get to, to your thing, I just wanted to give a quick shout out because I keep forgetting to bring this up on the show. Kingdom Rush Vengeance, baby. So good. Oh Isn't it God. so good? It's so good. What's the gameplay of it? Andrea uh, recommended this to me like months ago and I didn't even know it came out. Kingdom Rush, classic tower defense game. And that's another thing, the game that we can't say the name of anymore, but that we were talking about earlier. Mm-hmm. That's the other end right there, Andrea. It's very similar. <sighs> okay, I'm maybe, I'll, you, maybe I'll try it. It's very similar. So um, I am straight up. Kingdom Rush, wow. Yeah, wow, I'm straight up addicted <laughs> to Kingdom Rush Vengeance. On the flights of Florida, I played it the entire way. Wow. It's my favorite 
plain game by and far. It is just so it, that is literally what it what it should put it on the box, put it on the app store. It's the best plain game ever. It just sucks your time away, and next thing you know, you're landing. You're just like, I want to keep playing. It's weird because each level lasts way too long. They're like 45 minute levels, which is great when you're just trying to waste time. But like, it just seems counterintuitive to the mobile. That seems design. not mobily, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's kind of weird, but it's like this is the type of game that like I would recommend playing on an iPad. Like it is. I. Almost exclusively played it on iPad previously. This fir- this new one is the only one that I haven't started on iPad yet. I would love this game on Switch, mm-hmm. um, and I'm not sure why they haven't thought about porting it. Or maybe they have, and it's some it's part of the plans. Eventually, I just a, a bigger screen would be great. What's really fun about the Kingdom Rush series is that they have a hero system. So, in addition to your traditional tower defense, where you're building towers and upgrading towers along the path where the enemies are moving you have a unique hero and each hero in the game has special abilities and then you can upgrade them there's like a little mini rpg progression system with these heroes and then those heroes work in tandem with your towers and as you progress through the world you'll find that different heroes are better suited to different enemies because all of the enemies have different strengths and weaknesses like this tower is good against this enemy for example gotcha. but maybe this hero has a really high rate of fire and so you want to use them in levels that have lots of fast moving enemies or maybe one has like a freeze attack so if you get like large waves you know just the deep strategy that you know ironhead games has put into this has been so much fun to see the iterations build from game to game because it's now the fourth game in the kingdom rush franchise and yeah i'm so glad you're playing it again oh my god they they nailed it this this time around and it's just so satisfying it's just chaos that you're absolutely in control of and it's just like there's all these little pads and these little guys are coming you're like oh i'm fucking your day up and then you're like oh shit it's really just kind of like putting your finger in holes that water's coming out of the damn yeah yeah yeah, just trying to like like just control it all and like you'll totally be good until you're not and you're just absolutely overwhelmed and that's when it's the most fun it's because you're just like oh man like we got to upgrade the arrow towers like go faster go faster like that's going you're like bombing Mm -hmm. people and then you have your hero that you can at any point tap on him and tap anywhere else on the map and he'll just run over and start fucking things up it's so sad have you been using the the girl that teleports yes oh she's my fave it's just awesome i i love it and like it is totally an example of the 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 one more match type thing but like the loop is so good because there's the rpg elements we're like well i'm so close to leveling this guy up i guess i'm gonna replay it again to get the three stars to keep going fantastic mobile game uh but greg you're also playing a mobile game a fantastic mobile game. It's yeah. brand new. Brand new. People haven't talked about it. Pokemon mm-hmm. Go. Whoa! Pokemon fucking Go, here. everybody. You know what I mean? I, I got bit by the bug, Tim. It finally happened uh-huh. after what, what, the, downloading which it. Which bug? The Caterpie? Oh, you know, probably uh, Porygon. It's <laughs> <laughs> not Pidgeys? That's all I got. They're all bugs, you know, because they're all bugs. There's bugs. They're, they're all they're bugs. They're pocket monsters, Greg. No, no. You're thinking of Digimon. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, him. I had downloaded uh, Pokemon Go, obviously, with all the rest of you when it first came. I remember Kevin being so excited when it was originally uh, in the office and we were playing it. And it never worked for me. I'm not, I have no history with Pokemon, uh, you know, and uh, put it down. Every so often, Goldfarb would try to get me to pick it back up. I'd screw around that nothing would happen. Uh, and then, of course, Ghostbusters World came out uh, last year. I uh, had a great time with Ghostbusters World up until, like, I think it was month two, maybe the beginning of month three, where they really fucked up their whole in-game economy and what they wanted you to do. And it was also that point, I wasn't getting new ghosts. It was just the same thing day after day, the same challenges day after day. Like, it was clear, like, okay, cool, like, 
I'd, I'll wait for them to update this and make it more uh, refreshing, more interesting to play. And I turned it on. Uh, oh, after actually, I downloaded Harry Potter, Go the Wizards Unite when that had happened. Played with that a bit, but I'm not a Harry Potter guy. I was like, what's going on with Ghostbusters World? Actually kept crashing, had to delete it, reinstalled it, went back in. It's all the same shit. Like, it's clearly a game that they just put out and then have never really done anything with. And so this uh, past weekend, we were going to RTX, uh, missed my flight, and woke up in a panic. Uh, rebooked the flight, but then had a free day in San Francisco. So Jen and I went out to way out in the sunset to the avenues, went and had breakfast. And I was like, let's walk home. Let's walk through the park or whatever. And so we were walking and talking and just catching up. And somehow we got onto maybe somebody walked by playing Pokemon Go. And it was this conversation of just like, you know, more of the game's daily conversation of just how incredible it is that that game is still around and still thriving and doing all this. And I was just like, I'm going to open it up. And I opened it up, and then we're sure enough, we were just walking, talking. I was catching stuff. She's like, you're playing Pokemon Go? I'm like, yeah, a little bit. She's like, I'm going to jump in, too. So then she got in, and then we've just egged each other on this entire way. That's all we did at RTX. All, yeah, it's all we did at RTX. Uh, you know, in the neighborhood, we were going to dinner the other night, and we put our name on the wait list. And then it was like, I don't know, let's just walk around the blocks, hit all these Pokestops, just walk through the neighborhood. This morning, we walk, woke up, like, early. Because Jen's like, we... Haven't been spending quality time together since we got back for RTX. Let's wake up tomorrow early, get a cup of coffee, and then just go walk catch Pokemon. I was like, 100%. Walk through the park today. 50%, some would say. I don't, I don't get that Pokemon ah, reference. the number of Pokemon in Gen 1. You fucking uh, fake but There's fan. more than now. There's more. I have way more than <laughs> in that. In Gen 1, Greg. But it's you not nerds. Gen 1 anymore. Fuck Porygon you, was Greg. in Gen 1, all right? I know when I get somebody down in the single digits or the teens, I'm like, oh, this is an OG Porygon was motherfucker. One. Shut up. You don't know anything about it. I send you photos all the time of these guys. You don't Porygon know. Porygon 2 was Gen 2. Thank you. Clearly, that's what I'm talking about. Remember idiot. Porygon 2? I d no, I refuse to remember. Really? That fucking mistake. We yeah, talked about Porygon 2 on Games Daily. Wow. Well, we, we showed Porygon show. photos. Yeah. Anyways, though. Porygon 2 is in Pokey Floats. I've been having a ball with it. I, I don't know how long it'll last. You know what I mean? Yeah. Who knows how long we'll be obsessed with this. But it's just a fun thing to do. It's all Jen plays now on the couch while I'm playing. So now you're going to play Wizards Unite with me and Joey. No, oh, again, what? I started Wizards Unite. It's the same thing where when I started Wizards Unite and jumped in, I was like, okay, how does this play? Because like Ghostbusters, I mean, being a Ghostbusters fan, using, you know, the Proton Pack and traps and stuff. That was like, this is awesome mechanics. It's the fact that there's not enough new ghosts or things challenge me. Okay. Wizards Unite was jumped in in the world and there's all these different things. And it's like, oh, but I'm just tracing the spell and I'm like. Getting people out of ice blocks and getting fucking badges and whatnot. Versus just throwing the Pokeball? It's the yeah. same thing. No, it's uh, Pokeball less involved. Or <laughs> I'm just like, I don't want to be like. Oh, you want something thing. simpler. Yeah, for a handheld mobile game, if I'm just walking and talking and screwing around. Because that's the thing is like, I'm enjoying it, but it's it's a hot and cold thing. We're like, oh man, let's really go get some stuff. And then other stuff like, click, I don't need, I don't really, I don't need to do this. That is a drawback to Wizards Unite like, that was unforeseen that you can't one hand it. Yeah. Unless you have gigant gigantic Which hands. Which noticed today as we were walking to lunch, and I was like way behind them because I was stopping to. And do I should have just I should have just taken my phone out and, and, and sent some spells too. But we were on a time crunch. We yeah. were like, "Come on, Joey, let's go." Yeah, there's spells for that. And so yeah, you know, I've sent you photos. Of all these funny little men I'm catching. I got so many funny yeah, little men. Yeah, Greg just I, keeps sending me Pokemon pictures and giving his caption of what he thinks it looks like and where they're from it's and what thrilling, they do. Thrilling content. Hey, you know what? If you don't want to be my friend, you shouldn't give me your phone number. That's on you. Oh you know yeah, what I mean? that I is also a solid point. Let's see if we can bring it. Like, if there's any gold here. Oh, so, I've, I've are you seen checking your text messages? He's, yeah, well, he texts me. I, a I picture. text photos of the Pokemon and then I give him my caption. He sends to me it. a picture of Machop. And it says, look me in the eye and, and try telling me a man didn't fuck a dinosaur. And this thing popped out the egg months later. Let me see the photo. Jesus. Because look at it. Look at him. I mean, he's clearly a little man, but he's also clearly a little dinosaur. And then he sends me a picture of Machoke. They and call says, that a Wait, humanoid. Wait, no, you said that was Machoke. 
Machop. And oh, my Machop apologies. And my Machop. apologies, everybody. <laughs> then he sends Machoke and he just says, this guy fucks. This guy Am I wrong? Fucks. Look at this guy. He's got a wrestling belt He's on. He's got to wear underwear. The other one doesn't wear underwear because he's a little me, man dinosaur. Sends me one of Zigzagoon and says, look at this fucked up raccoon. Yeah. <laughs> Wait, yeah. Zigzag what? Zigzagoon. Yeah, Pokemon names. Yeah. yeah. Well, and guess then, what? You can read the name and you understand exactly what it is because it's clearly like that's exactly. They're, they're, they are literally just putting dogs in this game. I got. I have, oh, it's cute. It's a fucked up raccoon. Fucked up. And there's Mag Cargo. He says, "Look at the it's balls like on this dude's mouth." Wait, who is it? Mag Cargo. M A G C A R G O. What the fuck is this what? thing? It's like a lava. It's Look. like a lava snail. Fire snail. Look at the balls oh, in this it guy. Is a, well, is it a... No, it's a snail because it's got the shell. The, the, the game shell. Ha makes it... He has more testicles hanging from his mouth in there. Yeah, yeah. He does have testicles hanging from his mouth. But look mouth. at this. Look at Houndor. That's yeah. a fucking dog. Someone yeah, caught dude. a dog and he's shoved a it in a ball. They called him it. They called him a hound. He's just... A, I mean, he's... Now, I'll give you a spoink. Spoink is definitely a monster. No. That Look, that's a dog. That's a Houndor, just like a Doberman, dog. right? Now, put, now find spoink. All right, Spoink is, is Spoink? definitely from another dimension that's here to fuck us up. Like Spoink is going to... What gonna... the fuck is this? <laughs> it's cute. It's like I got a pig it's nose. It's a pig. Hence the oink. But he's yeah. got a little... Yeah, he's got the See, little Pokemon curly, names the curly tail. Spring oink. Dude. Thank you, Joey. That was good. Wow. Okay. Wow. Nine tails now, can get it though. Nine tails can get it, but wanna, on, on the panel, on the panel, Greg, I was yeah. talking about how fucked up it He's is cute. that Dratini turns into Dragonair, turns into Dragonite, and I don't think that you understood how I fucked up this I is. I don't understand. Can you? I want the slow reveal here, okay. Barrett. All right, okay. I want to look. I want to look to you. Tell me. Yeah, I can yeah. Look. Like just don't let's see. I, I want a picture of Dratini, then a picture of uh, Dragonair, okay, 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 and then a picture on. of Dragonite. All right. Give Thank me, you. You gotta give me a minute to do that. What is your issue, Andrea? Oh, no, I was just going to say that I would love to be a fly on the wall of the Pokemon company when they have to come up with the names of these new things. I'll give you, it's all in Japanese, but here's we, how it we, goes. We, we were, t okay, you tell me. Go ahead. We're none of butterflies, so Rudderfly. Done. Print. There you go. It evolves <laughs> See, into Rudderman. It looks rudder, like somebody A Rudderfly would be like a water type butterfly because then it'd be like the rudders of boats. There's always reasoning, Greg. <laughs> There's right. always reasoning, okay? Greg, I'm I'm gonna need you to close your eyes. They're closed. Alright. I'm sending gifts. Alright. Because uh, here's the thing about Pokemon Go to bring it back to the game and not look at the characters at all, I swear. <laughs> is the fact that to go from what my first experience with Pokemon Go was, because you remember it when it was like mm -hmm. I, this all, you know how this started? I can actually start tell you. We were walking through the park. Yeah. And I we were talking about tweets for some reason, and I mentioned oh, like that tweet from the other week that Pokemon Go's launch is the closest we've been to world peace. Mm -hmm. Somebody tweeted that. And it was so true, right? Of like, I, I remember yeah. that, how weird it was to be in our sleepy-ass Sunset neighborhood where we used to have the studio and find there was a gym there. kids and, was and people in like the Dirty Nelly's bar had a sign outside. This isn't a Pokestop, even though it was. It was like, like, leave. Please leave. Yeah, exactly. And it was like, holy shit, people were running around at all hours of the night playing the game. Like, what an amazing experience. And that's what had me open to it. But to go from that when I started it, uh, and it was like a broken and buggy experience to where it is now of the way gyms work and the way, uh, you know, taking stuff over works and the way gifts work, which I remember when they got launched, like what? And you're like, yeah, you just send shit to each other. Like, that sounds dumb. And then like now when I wake up and I walk poorly, that's the first thing I do is go through and get clear out. We send all my gifts to Scott Lowe, to Jen, to, to Pasqua, Pascal. Like Santa Claus in the morning, dude. Exactly. And get it back and see our friendship levels increase. And I'm going out there doing, I'm transferring all these Pokemon. I'm getting all mm -hmm. their candies. You mm -hmm. know what I mean? I'm using different things. Rare I'm getting candies. excited when I see new ones. Uh, we, you know, I, we beat a, we beat a, a raid at the Austin airport, mm -hmm. beat a raid this morning and stuff. And again, fucking 
715 walking around Golden Gate Park today in a random ass park and there's a raid pops off. Generally like, let's try it. Some random guy jumped in. Hell yeah, Who the did. fuck is this guy walking around the park too? You know what I mean? He was all alone. Mm-hmm. Is he just a creeper in the bushes? Nobody mm-hmm. knows, but we beat Jimmy the raid. We got fingers. the thing. That's what they call I got him. some fucking uh, creature. I don't know. He's big. Some creature. Yeah, I want to say he was a dragon, but I, I'll look at my phone and let you know. Interesting. I wonder if right. it was dragon. Can I look so, now? What am I looking You can at? look yeah. now. So please pull this up. Of man. course. This is Dratini. Uh-huh. Okay. Now, uh, Dratini, of course, the Pokemon, my friend. The original quest was have Dratini at your side, walk Dratini around, get some candy with Dratini. I've just never unequipped Dratini. So, so just to be out fair, oh, that's Dragonair. The Dratini that's Dragonair. has evolved, I've evolved dra- to Dragonair. Into right. Who looks which is this. Dra- who's got a ball on and his... And you're like, yeah. okay, cool. You're pretty. I sure. get it. You're going to be hot when you're an adult. You know what I mean? I, that's not what I think when I look at this weird snake really? with balls you on it. You don't think so? No. I think Go this, back to Dratini. Yeah, I think this. I think Dragonair has a potential to evolve into something super cool. This is like, this is Ariana Grande when she was on Nickelodeon. Right? right? Then click over there. This is Ariana Grande no. when she put out her first album. Okay. okay. You know what I mean? Sure. And then this is not Ariana Grande. This now. is Britney Spears during her fucking freak out. Oh god. What? This looks like uh like this looks like Charmander's like Charmander. weird brother, right? <laughs> like <laughs> what the fuck is this? This like this is literally the top evolution of one of the only dragon type Pokemon in general. Like they're so late. Usually in, in Pokemon, it's like the later in the numbers you get, like yeah. the more like rare and cool. Like his, out of one fifty, I think he's number one forty nine. Yeah, he's really up like, there. And here we fucking get they're him. Right he, ideas. He has, a, he has a, a fanny pack. Wait, oh, wait. Where's the, the fanny yeah, pack? I need it's, to see the fanny pack. Uh, Tie uh, the, the Dragonair uh, fanny pack movie. movie. Also, yeah. that ditto as Dragonite plush is because he cute. he's like a he, he like sends messages. That's a man purse. That's not a That's fanny a European pack. That's European carry-all. Look at the Pokemon card. Go down. Look at the card. Look at the card. Like, That's a straight up purse there. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that okay. when you saw Pokemon the first That's movie, still a purse. you got this card. <laughs> Look at this fucker. Okay, so for uh, people Pokemon who are listening and who have never seen Dragonite, just imagine Charmander. Um, it's an orange. Um, dragon who stands upright, so kind of beefy looks legs. Like dragon tails. Um, little little wings. Probably can't do much flying because normally dragons, the wingspan is proportionately much larger than the body size. He will fuck you up That's with hyperbeam. That's not the case beam, with this guy. Lance and had two got, of these fuckers. It almost from this angle, it almost looks like a briefcase. What are you <laughs> <laughs> it's a business trip, dude. <laughs> that he's wearing crossbody style. <sighs> um, it, oh, it, cl- it looks like a class at the top, like a doctor's bag, like an old school yeah. doctor's yeah, bag. Yeah, yeah. 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 All right. Um, well, anyways, so that's what you have to look forward to for your Dragonair. I want to point Craig. out the person we beat in the raid today, and I now have is Sharpedo. Sharpedo. Yeah. Wow. 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 He's a shark, not a pedo. Jesus. Heads up. Just a heads up. Well, you said it's in the name usually. Sharpedo, I imagine. Like a mm. torpedo. Why is it spelled pedo? Because it's like a Pokemon. Why is it called a pedo? I'm just saying, if I was in, if I was a fish dad, wouldn't let my fish kids go around Sharpedo. Bad name. Andrea, the last mobile game we're going to talk about today, <laughs> Lego Tower. Yes, so I'm playing this actually right now. Um, and what I want people to know about Lego Tower, first and foremost, that it's from the team Nimblebit. If you guys played Tiny Tower, the Tiny Tower craze, you guys remember when Tiny Tower first came out? Unfamiliar. No? I remember being, I remember Tom Bach, you, you, know, you know what I'm talking about, right? So they've made several iterations. They did Tiny Vegas, which was really fun. They teamed up with Disney Interactive and did Tiny Death Star, which I loved as well. Um, and their latest partnership is with Lego. And 
of course Lego makes sense to do a tiny tower skin of because everything in Lego is mini. Mm. You got the little mini figs. They all have their little clothing pieces. You've got the tiny little bits and coins and all this stuff. So um, essentially the gameplay is almost identical to very traditional tiny tower. If you guys have played it, you're building a tower. It's in the name. You stack it one floor at a time and it goes straight up and each of the towers you can customized to make them a certain type of level. So you have your residential levels, which act as like apartments for your minifigs. Mm. And then you have a variety of businesses. They can be a recreation or a service or a food. So for example, I have a billiards hall. I've got a burger bar. I've got a bank. And each of your minifigs um, will then be assigned. You assign them a job in one of the different levels, and then they stock items, and then you sell the items to earn coins in the game. And each of your minifigs has a dream job, and so ideally you want to place a minifig on the floor to work. That is their dream job. So, for example... What are some of their dream jobs? So I had two people who wanted to work at the burger bar, so I specifically... I can dream bigger. ...built you know a I mean? burger bar. A, a dream to own the burger bar, Lego minifigs, you idiots. Well, maybe they will own it someday. Yeah, exactly. You gotta start somewhere. Build your build your money up. And then there's three items per floor, and then you so you have to have three people working, and then they each stock a different item. And so part of the time management of the game is going in and restocking each floor as it's running out. And the microtransactions come in where you can hurry the stock process by paying some bucks, which is like the in-game currency. And um, I want to give a, a thank you to the PR team who gave me $5 worth Whoa. of currency wow. uh, to try out. Wow, that's Money hat. Team. It actually has gone pretty far. I still have like... You, <laughs> you guys, they gave me five bucks to play within the game. Um, it is a free-to-play game, of course. And what's different about this version of the tower game from Nimblebit that I haven't seen before in some of their other games is they have a tower club and in the tower club it's a, like a subscription you get the first five days free to try it out and a lot a big thing from the tower games of the past is customization so the elevator mechanic is very important because you're constantly sending people up and down the tower and so if you're part of the tower club you can get all of these different customizations, whereas before you either had to earn enough money in game in order to buy them or um, you had to pay real world money for them. So now you can get into the tower club and you kind of get to rotate through all these different customizations without having to pay for them one by one, which I think is really cool. So yesterday I had the flower elevator and today I have the nice. cupcake elevator, Whoa. but maybe I want the dragon elevator for oh, later today. Um, and what's great about that is that you kind of get to change your customization based off your mood for that day. And then they have background customizations, uh, lobby customizations where your your personalized minifig lives, and then roof customizations. So, for example, right now I have Garmadon's shark mech as my uh, roof topper, which is pretty yes, cool. So, if you go up to the um, up to the top of the tower, uh, you can see I've big got my shark big, up there. my big shark on the top confirm. of the tower, Sharpetta. Um, which is neat. And so the the price of admission for the tower club is actually not that bad. It's you can buy a couple of days for a few bucks, but if you want to buy real bucks or real dollars, bucks or? like so for five days it's two dollars. Uh, for 25 days, it's five dollars. For 299 days, so essentially almost a full year, it's 20 bucks, and that gets you kind of the unlimited ability to customize, and it gives you a discount on uh, all of the other purchases that you make inside the game, um, and it doubles the rent you can collect from your tenants. No, um, so 
this is clearly just, I don't want to call it a time waster, um, but it kind of is. It is one of those games that you kind of just check in with from time to time. And if you guys enjoyed the gameplay of the Tiny Tower variants, then I highly recommend checking out LEGO because a lot of the charm of LEGO is built into the game. A lot of the floors are designed based off real LEGO sets that exist in the world that you can own. Do they um, have like IP? Like, Is there a Batman? And like stuff I haven't like that? seen any licensed stuff yet, but I would imagine that that's probably in their plans for DLC, but since the game just launched, I haven't seen any licensed yeah. stuff. I, I've seen that they have the Ninjago stuff, but that's of course like a Lego owned sure. brand. Um, I hope they do Lego license stuff. That would be really neat. And the minifigs are just so fun because in previous iterations, you know, sometimes the little characters don't really do a whole lot as they're walking around in your tower, but they'll like dance. They'll um, this one guy does air guitar and they'll they'll throw tantrums and it's yeah. just cute because it's a little Lego minifigs. Who doesn't like Lego minifigs? Come on now. Yeah, and they all have like these different faces and then there's a whole collectible piece system so you can customize and if you get drops for pieces that you already own, you can send them to your friends, which is oh, kind nice. of cool. And there's different specialized minifigs that can show up at your tower. For example, there's a construction guy and if he shows up at your tower, he can knock three hours off the construction time of a new floor. Okay. And if, so if you don't have a new floor that you're ready to build, you can also send those to your friends, which is something that I haven't seen them do before either. So really kind of encourages more of a social aspect to what is really just like a solitary game. Mm. Sure. That's what's one of the things that's been so interesting about Pokemon Go and actually like actually playing it, not just fucking off it and putting it down, is the fact that I haven't seen the microtransaction wall, right? Where it is like I am a flush with items and stuff. Now I, I have put money into the game. I bought uh, the Team Rocket outfit. I wanted to wear the R and have glasses and stuff. Uh, and then once I had leftover money, eventually the biggest problem I have is that my item bag is always full. And you can delete stuff or whatever, and you, I just need to use stuff more. But I did spend money to expand the bag. But in terms of actually always having something to do and not feeling like, ah, I got to wait for this to cool down or whatever. Like, and, and then also just the weird thing of like, and I don't understand. I understand this is why the game's popular. And I don't mean to waste time on a game people already know everything about or understand. But like the actual desire of like, Oh, okay, cool. Like, let's do this and let's walk around. Like when we got to the airport uh, in Austin, it was like, all right, cool. We got lunch and then we just walked around the airport rather than just sit somewhere and, you know, check Twitter. It was walking around and talking to each other and doing the raid or trying to collect this or seeing that. Like, it's a really interesting, different game that I'm 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 very excited that I'm into with Jen. Whereas I think that was the problem with Ghostbusters even where I was into Ghostbusters, but nobody else was. So it was just me playing and it was super solitary. Even here being able I think to. That's the developer's problem, too. Oh, 100 percent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was just you. Oh, thank you. No, no, well, thank you so much doing stuff too. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like uh, being able to see what other people are cashing and doing, and you know, have that thing of exchanging gifts is an in interesting way to and reason to turn it on and do stuff with it. Before we move on, I want to let you know about our sponsors. Support for this show is brought to you by the new Audible original, Stan Lee's Alliances. That's right. Stan Lee's Alliances, a trick of light. In one of Lee's final and most innovative works, the legend invites audiences to unleash the power of their own imagination to bring a new universe and cast of superheroes to life. Performed by Yara Shahidi, one of today's brightest talents and featuring a captivating introduction from Lee himself, this new superhero's origin story takes on the ever-blurring line between humanity and technology. While agitating the central question of our day, what is more real? A world we're born into or one that we create ourselves? Both epic and intimate, 
fascinating, and funny. This is Essential Stan Lee. Listen free with a 30-day trial. Just go to audible.com slash kinda or text kinda to 500-500. That's Stan Lee's Alliances, a trick of light. The power to change changes everything. Once again, audible.com slash kinda or text kinda to Stan to 500-500. Also, shout out to Quip. How many times do I need to tell you about Quip? Barry uses Quip. I use Quip. Gia uses Quip. Greg Miller uses Quip. Jen uses Quip. Kevin, I think, uses Quip as well. We're a whole little Quippy fam here. I absolutely love my Quip toothbrush. We're not the first to say it. Sometimes we need a vacation from my vacation. Delayed flights, hotel snafus, chatty travel companions. You can get away for two minutes twice a day with Quip. You don't need to think about anything. There's the two-minute timer, four quadrants of your mouth. Every 30 seconds, there's a little vibration. That means you need to switch switch away. You don't even need to think about this stuff. They send you the toothbrush. They send you the replacement brush every three months. They send you the toothpaste. I just get to sit at home. I don't need to ever worry about my teeth again because we have quip that did not go as well as I thought it would. I apologize for that. Um, but my teeth are clean. You know what I mean? My breath, feeling extra minty, feeling extra good. Doing the old Greg thing. Don't that's good. It smells minty. It smells minty. That's the power of Quip, ladies and gentlemen. Um, I love that it has the little travel thing. You can take the stand, literally the same stand. You just take the toothbrush out, flip the other way, put it in. It's a travel holder. Wow. What will they think of next? I don't know, but I'm into it. Um, That's why I love Quip and why I'm taking it to every convention that I'm going to this summer. Took it to RTX. Going to be taking it to Comic-Con next week. Exciting stuff. Quip starts at just $25. And if you go to getquip.com slash KF right now, you can get your first refill pack for free. Wow. That's your first refill pack free at getquip.com slash KF. Get fresh. The Dark Pictures Anthology, Man of Medan. Man of Medan. We're not trying to say it. We keep jumping around. Andrea, you got to see this, Greg. Yeah. And Joey Noel. Joey Noel coming out on Shock Mike. Tell me everything, because I don't know much about this. I know that it is from the, the same team that brought us Until Dawn. Correct. Supermassive games. And they're doing the anthology series, kind of smaller, uh, like not bite-sized, but more of an appetizer compared to a full meal of an mm-hmm. Until Dawn type situation. Today announced you can do multiplayer, right? Right. That's well, let me set the stuff. stage for the setting of Man of Madon. Madon. As, well, going into it, that name doesn't really give you any hints no whatsoever what about what you're going to play. So this very first iteration of the Dark Pictures anthology of which we discovered and we talked about on Games Daily today, there will be eight total games. They're aiming to do two of them a year, which is I think pretty ambitious, and I hope Very that they so. um, so. do that. They are going to be connected by a man called the Curator, who functions much like the Crypt Keeper in um, Tales, from the, Tales from the Crypt. Um, so essentially, he'll be like the almost like the narrator of sorts. And in this story, we meet two brothers, Brad and Alex. We meet a brother and sister, Julia and Conrad, or Connie, and we meet a skipper named Fliss. So we have five characters. They all look to be in like their early 20s. And Fliss is the local. She's the kind of the captain of this vessel. And the four friends are going on board to go on a scuba diving trip. They're going to go look for wrecks. Wreck diving is like their big hobby because they're rich or something. Yep. They are Um, rich white people. (laughs) <laughs> well, there's no the two brothers are African American. Sure, but the rich white the, people the, are the, the rich white the people, people are, are the ones. Yeah, um, and so then the I think presumably Fliss is um, 
I don't know. I don't want to. She kind of looks Bahamian, but she's. I th- she has like a Jamaican accent, right? Something like yeah, she's yeah, definitely yeah. from Caribbean. like yeah, Caribbean. Caribbean yeah. Like how local. much sexual tension are we talking about? Oh man, there's well, a lot. So, yeah, so there's oh, a man. so we we first learn in the very beginning that Alex and Julia are dating. So they're a couple. That's not a secret. And then of course Conrad, the brother, played by Sean Ashmore. Played by Sean Ashmore, uh, wants oh, to get with man. Fliss, the captain of he's the boat. He's the charming, she's pretty sexy playboy. He's he's had a million women in every port. Yeah, is he, he the only Fliss. like known actor? He's uh, the only they, one that I recognize. Press release calls out the fact that yeah, Sean Ashmore's in there, and then Pip Torrens uh, is uh, the curator, and he was in the Crown, Star Wars: The Force Awakens. I think he was Snoke. Uh, I'm not joking. Uh, what did oh, I fuck okay. up? Oh, Snoke's what's his name? Um, so, oh, Andy Serkis? Yeah. yeah. So we this is just an old guy with a... Uh, he's an old man. Old white guy. Pip. What? Oh, yeah. He doesn't have like a... Pip Torrens. He doesn't have an interesting character design from a visual sense. He just looks like a dude. Yeah, but he was asking yeah. for celebrity. Right? Yeah. Um, so we meet these five characters. They're on a boat. Their whole thing is we're going to go out and find a wreck. Um, and so they head out on the water. And, you know, we, we get this playful banter and um, some choices and stuff that you make early on. And then you find uh, you find a wreck is like the first kind of major beat in the story. And it's um, not on record. And so the captain's like, well, you know, we should really call this in if it's not on the map. You know, people need to know where this wreck is. And they're like, oh, live a little. Let's just go down there and check it out. Um, and so that's kind of like the first beat of the story. But that is just the amuse-bouche to what's coming later, which features this giant, massive warship, which is why we were at the USS Hornet for this preview event. Um, and there is a, a prologue, which I don't want to spoil, that explains why the ship is important and what the ship is going to happen. And that's all I'm going to say more about the story because I want you guys to experience it for yourself. But that just kind of like lays the foundation. And what I loved about the setup that we got to play is that they really nailed that interplay between these young people the same way they did in Until Dawn. Like that dynamic between that group of friends in that cabin, I thought felt believable and felt real. And so far from what we've played, I think that they have nailed that in this one as well. The interesting thing, right, is that what we went to was obviously hands-on, but it was more importantly, the embargo's up today, the, uh, hey, we have multiplayer. And so, right, what they showed was shared story mode and then uh, movie night mode. Shared story mode is uh, two players online, and you're playing the same story. Uh, you jump around perspectives and stuff, but it's the same story, same situation, but then you're always, you're not always, but most of the time doing different things. And so what's awesome about it, I didn't fully get till the end. Right, because playing it coming off of Until Dawn, right, a game I think everybody here loves, right, super massive. It was a great game, and again, they nailed it. The pacing felt weird getting going in this one of there being downtime or is like because it does pop up of like the other your friend is deciding, the other player is deciding on what to say. So it'll be downtime and conversations then feel more drawn out and like because you're doing on you, you. We know what it's like to pick our choices, but to wait for someone else on the other side of online to pick a choice that we can't see is okay that feels weird that, that i thought it made the conversations feel stilted see i didn't 
find that maybe because so Greg and Joey were playing together yeah. but I guess if you have a partner that is processing the information at a different speed than you are then it might make the gameplay feel a little bit one-sided yeah. I was playing with Alessandro from GameSpot and there were a couple of moments where there was a hesitation so for example in the, our playthrough I was playing as Conrad and Julia in the opening moments and he was playing as Brad and Alex and so you could see him like moving around on the other side of the boat doing his conversation looking at things in the environment and then I was having a different conversation looking at different things and so what's really neat about what they've done with this two player mode is that each player has their own section where they control all of the decisions and control whether they find a secret whether they pick up the right piece to unlock a clue mm -hmm. and then you merge your stories back together oh, oh, oh. and then Bless. you're in a scene together where one character is being controlled by your friend and then they get to choose you don't actually get to see what the choice is though you're in the conversation almost yeah. like a cutscene, and then there's a pause and you get kind of like get a pause on the face and then it says your friend is deciding and but you don't get to see what they're deciding so you don't know how the conversation is going to play out and i think that's so cool yeah that and that's what i'm saying at the end of it that's when it's revealed when me and joey got to catch up and actually like you know there there's you're on so this first part we're talking about happens on a small yacht basically right small boat and so it is a difference of yeah we you at times see people walking around but it can be even more moment to moment interesting where we went out and watched the movie thing together which now is up to five players sitting at it in front of a tv passing the control everybody is assigned a character and they make the choices for that character pass the controller but it was Joey's first time seeing what my character got to see, which was talking to his brother. Uh, he, I brought my brother on this trip to meet my girlfriend, Julia, for the first time. And the brother goes to put away beer, and my character brings out an engagement ring in his hand. And he's like, yo, by the way, bro, I have a question for you. Like, you know, I, 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 it's a big life decision. And the other character, the bro who's putting away the beer, is Joey. Joey doesn't get to see my character bring out the ring. It's, or it's her putting away the stuff and her picking the choices. So it's him being like, I, I got to talk to you about life and uh, you know, this choice I have to make. And from the other room, Joey gets a pinwheel of what to say. And she's like, what do you, it's not that hard. Like, listen to your heart. Not thinking, like, her character thinks that we're talking about med school when my character thinks it's about this engagement ring. Mm -hmm. And so Joey didn't see that, and I didn't know she wasn't seeing that. So it wasn't until we were watching later that you got that. And in the same way, you know, I was playing as Conrad on top of the boat with the captain. Uh the guy who wants to get engaged and his girlfriend go underwater, right? They go diving into the wreck. So I'm playing as Conrad, having no idea what's going on underwater, legitimately not understanding, knowing what's going to happen here. And like these pirates roll up on the ship and we yell at them, like yell at them. They get all weird. I throw money in the water. I throw money at them. Like there's, they're like bitching about a hole in their boat. So Conrad's like, here's $10, $20, 30 He's being an asshole. Again, just a rich white guy. The pirates drive off, and then I, there's a mishap with the grill, and then Joey's group surfaces from the water, and then there you see money oh, in the shit, water. Thirty dollars. Exactly. Why yeah. is there money in the water? Because they do show a portion where they like focus on them. Like, okay, well, clearly that means something, but I have no context for what happened or why the explosion happened, and then like what altercation had happened and you didn't know that I had found stuff in the wreck yeah. and stuff like that and uh, so it's and what was crazy about that scene in particular is that they have a choice where you're starting to surface like you have this like sweet moment under the water because you're like you know deep sea diving with your lover or whatever and Lava. and then you see this explosion on the surface and you have no idea what it is what's happening and then you get this choice of like do you want to surface immediately and he's like no we got to stay because of decompression sickness and then they're like and then you get to have to choose 
choose if you're going up or not. Uh, and then it's like you don't realize until you get to the surface and you've made the choice, like why the explosion happened. And I think that interplay of how they've written it so that you could play it either way is so clever and gives it so much replayability. It really makes it feel, I think it really ups the ante in the choose your own adventure style that they, I thought, did a fantastic job with until dawn here because you can't see what the other person's doing or, or hear what they're choosing. So this sounds really cool and unique. It also sounds like you're missing out on a lot, though, if you're not having a conversation immediately after with the person you're playing with. And if you're playing online with somebody, so what, you're not on chat? Yeah, there's Is no the Indian voice chat. You'd have to be in a party or something. Yeah, like that. okay. Because it, it just sounds like it, it's weird where you're not supposed to know what's happening, but then you need to talk to them to know what happened. But then the moment you know what happened, then that's going to affect your decisions going forward. I think it's just a personal preference of how you want to play. Like if you want to not know, if you want to just go in blind and kind of experience it for what the story is, you wouldn't need to be on chat. But if you want to have that moment of dialogue with your partner where you like talk over the decisions and make the decisions together, you can obviously you can obviously yeah. do that. But I think what they're doing is just saying, hey, if you want to experience the other side, go back and play it again. But I mean, until Don was the same way, if you made specific choices, there were whole paths you never saw. Right? Yeah, I just think it's weird. Like, I, I don't get then what the point of having it be another human being is. I think it's just the dynamic of being able to have that suspense of not knowing what your partner's going to choose. Mm -hmm. And I think it makes it more interesting because when we were all talking about it as a group afterwards, when we went to go play the movie night mode, which we'll talk about here in just a second, we were all talking about, oh, did you see this? Did this happen to you in your playthrough? Yeah. And I made this choice. And like we all learned about things in everybody's playthrough that were different. And I thought yeah. that was a cool moment. Definitely. I just don't, I don't see how this is going to enhance that compared to until dawn which that happened it was just you're in a, you're playing with the computer and not having to wait for people to make decisions it's it's not that long of a wait i was just saying that seconds. yeah it was just yeah. it, it was enough to be in the beginning of like wait this is weird and then watching movie night where it is just one player making decisions and the computer's responding yeah. back i was like oh i see what was different and why it threw me off mm -hmm. that way mm -hmm. i think it, i think it adds a really interesting dynamic and dimension to it of yeah like i would be down like until dawn i loved and played through and never played it again like and I could apply. I didn't want to go for a platinum or anything. I just had a great time with it. Whereas if these are shorter, shorter experiences, right? Like I'd totally be down for. I ran through as you know player one. Now I'm going to come back and play player two and see what Joey saw underwater and make those different decisions. Hmm. And it's the classic until dawn tropes of you know what choices do you want to make in the way the path it all branches, right? Like you know the pirates eventually come back and like you're all tied up. And so then it is now a do you want to be nice to him? Do you want to talk shit to him? Do you want to do this? Do you want to do that? At one point, like I was in charge of trying to get to their boat and go off to get help. Right. And they were like very clearly like, all right, the plan is to do that and get out. I was like, got it. And I was going, going, going. And I saw a knife and I'm like, I'm going to fuck these guys up. And it's like, I'm going to roll the dice and yeah. see what happens. And like, why not? And then on the other playthrough, mm -hmm. I'd love to. And then after it was all done, they, they were like, cool. Did you lose anybody in your playthrough? And we're like, fuck, you could have lost people in that. Like basically at 90 minutes we played like, oh yeah, you can totally hmm. lose people. Yeah, release date August 30th. Yeah, it's so coming not, up real not quick. Far, not far away. So you're talking about a uh, movie mode. Yeah. Yeah, so the movie night mode is for two to five players locally, and it's a, basically a capacity controller mode. So players one through five, you put your name in, then it'll say, like, Greggy, it's your turn to play. You pass the controller. And then while it's his turn to play, he has control of the choices and the outcomes that happen during his section. And you each, we each picked a specific character to play as, and so you get to pick those choices tied to that character's storyline. What I thought was interesting that they mentioned in the press release today is that your actions and your impacts on the story as an individual player are judged against the people you're playing with and you get achievements and rewards for each individual player's decisions versus 
as a single playthrough, and I thought that that was kind of a neat touch. I mean, because they understand that this is really more of a playable movie than it is a video game, because it's basically like you light walking, you swing the controller, stick back and forth to pick choices for dialogue and then there's a couple quick time events and that's it so it's pretty approachable for people who don't play a lot of video games particularly people who don't play video games with controllers with sticks right or maybe they're mobile players or whatever and so i think it's a nice way to maybe have a shared experience with friends of yours that enjoy the horror genre or horror tv movies but don't want to play a horror video game and so i think i think it's a nice touch i prefer the two-player mode quite frankly um or just the single player, and then that we all would, just sit around. And uh, granted, like you know, the online the common is it's around four hours, right, to do a playthrough of it. And there's a million different things like we're talking about. But uh, I even then it would just be like it's a weird pass the controller thing. It's a weird thing you have to go through the tutorial again. There was no way to skip it. It was like all right, I'm we get hoping it. that that was just a build issue and not yeah. going to be in the final no save game. Saying we did it, yeah, because yeah, they made us go through the entire credit sequence again. But hopefully they'll just add a skip button in there because if you've played it through once on your own but then you want to show your friends you shouldn't have to go through those opening sequences again yeah four hours it's so weird like i feel like they still haven't cracked the nut game uh, game ranks by the way but i found that uh, of figuring out like these games should probably especially if it's anthology be closer to the hour mark or hour 30 mark with a bunch of different things that could happen because like when are you going to have five people in a room for four hours to play through this extra life you know besides extra- that well, that's we've a, been playing through so until specific. dawn in our what's good games after our streams and so we we, we did the first section uh, last month um, or the first section in May the second section last month and we're doing the, the final now and so I guess if you break it up with your friends you don't necessarily yeah. need to because I mean it's in chapters right so you could easily yeah. stop playing at the end of a chapter yeah. I'm just thinking it's about always like, that problem though, how you get so, back together. so great and I, I was trying to convince my friends like hey, we should all play it it's like they wanted if it was a complete thing I'm like this is going to take an hour and a half like let's just—it's yeah, like yeah, watching yeah. a movie, but mm-hmm. we're all interacting together. They totally would have done it, but it's like, no, it's a—it's a whole video game. We might need to break this up over multiple sessions. Like you lose yeah. the people that you're talking about that aren't traditionally. It's gamers. the normal thing where I feel like you do it and you—you pass around, and even if you don't complete it, you got—they got to experience and see it. And they don't really care how it ends. Uh, that's why I think though, one-on-one online thing makes more sense. Mm-hmm. I am interested to see what it would be like to play it solo now, because you can still play it solo, obviously, but. If they're who's get, what part am I getting right? Because like I definitely I was player one online with Joey, and I definitely felt that Joey's underwater segment probably seemed more interesting than what I was doing. Not that I was bored up there, but it was like when she came back up, and I was like in the ship, I'm like oh, fuck, that's not awesome. I was just talking to her, and I was choosing if I wanted to hit on her or not. You know what I mean? Like yeah, I, I, yeah, I, I got way more like story lore clues than I think you did. Yeah. But then yeah. you got more context for the next scene of why things were happening where I was like, I don't know who mm. who these other people are. Where yeah. do they come yeah, from? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. So, yeah, I'm interested to see how they merge those or what the single player like path is because I do think that I don't know. I guess it would be just be interesting to see what it was. I mean, ultimately, if you want to see the entire story, you're going to have to do multiple playthroughs, but I think they set up that expectation with Until Dawn. And it's just more emphasized here because they needed to split the narrative to make it compelling for two people to play at the same time. Um, I think it's a really interesting way for them to diversify what they were doing instead of just doing essentially the exact same formula. They're doing something different. I think they could speed it up to your point of like make it shorter if they had taken out less of like the secret and collectible things because you're encouraged to explore, which takes time, by uncovering these, oh, this secret you've now unlocked 
Dr. Premonition that could potentially unlock an option in the story later on. And so you want to explore some of that stuff. But that exploration element is what makes it probably double the length that it would need to be if you there was no walking around at all. Yeah. Yeah, it's interesting. Uh, I, I left high on it. I want to play more of it. It's good. I did think it didn't look as good as uh, Until Dawn graphically. I didn't think the faces looked as good as they did Until Dawn. And again, this is a multi-platform game, so I'm sure that's where the uh, things come. And it's also not Final Code. You sure, know, we need course, to make course. that caveat, so we don't know it's exactly close, what though. it's going to look like. And there was popping and stuff, so it's just like, okay, cool. But like, I'm I don't care. Like, I'm in it for the story and the mm-hmm. adventure and the choices and see how they all play out together. But yeah, mm-hmm. Until Dawn looked beautiful. Yeah, so. exactly. Yeah, yeah. And so yeah, it's interesting they're doing so many of these. This anthology business, yeah. right? About I hope it, going I hope it works. The curator a great thing. idea. Yeah. Uh, next up, Call of Duty Modern Warfare. What do you guys got for me in that little book? Well, let me pull up we my judges notes. We went and saw Call of Duty Modern Warfare mm-hmm. at uh, E3. Embargo's always lifting. Who knows what's going on? Uh, one of the things they showed there, Tim, was a 2v2 gunfight mode. So the idea here is that you partner up with somebody against another team of two, and then you're put into different areas that you then go and fight. We played in what, I forget the official name, is King, the interior of a warehouse. So there was like, uh, like a, it was like a warehouse, obviously, and then like, Wooden hallways on both sides, this little structure in the inside, right? You both start on opposite sides of the warehouse and then need to kill each other. The thing that's cool about it is that they give you the weapons every time. So this isn't like you're coming in with a loadout like, all right, it's pistols and knives. All right, it's rocket launcher and shotgun. All right, it's this, that, and the other. And then it's a countdown clock. It starts and you just fucking go. And you have to kill the other people. I brought in their actual thing because I wanted to break out the actual the high level like I did on Games Daily, right? So it's two two teams with two players will face off against each other in a fast-paced firefight. When the round starts, you'll have 40 seconds to locate the other team and defeat them. If no one is killed in the first 40 seconds, then a flag will appear in the center of the map. Players will need to run to the flag and defend it for three seconds to get the point. Awesome. If no one can defend the flag within the time limit, the team with the most health wins. Last team standing gets the point. The first team to six points wins. You will not need to create a class. All weapons and equipment selection is handled by the game mode. Also, you will not be able to heal after being shot. All players have a set amount of health. The maps, uh, the maps played at the pre-beefs were King, uh, Pine, uh, the, which is the exterior of a dense forest, and Stack, a desert container yard. This... I, I'm not a Call of Duty guy. I'm definitely not a Call of, Call of Duty multiplayer guy. I've already talked about Modern Warfare where I think the single player story seems interesting. I'm in. I'm so in for this to be party modes. Mm-hmm. Like this was so... It was me and Brandon Jones and I forget who we were facing off against. But it was... It was tense. It was fast. When we did fuck up, it was like, okay, cool. Get back out there. Get back out there. And then when we like started getting into the mind games, because it's, it's, there's small areas on yeah. purpose, right? And it is just that. It's a shotgun or whatever and a rocket launcher. And so it would be trying to bait the other person come around and just fire the rocket off and then try to flank him over here and then it was it was awesome it was so much fun to be in that like frantic thing and then it did come down to the flag a bunch of times because the time sounds awesome 40 seconds and then the flag comes to bait everyone out that's great these are quick the way they were describing it is almost like a fighting game matchup like um very very uh quick you just get in you get out because some of these Call of Duty matches, you know, kind of feel like they you're just like endlessly respawning over and over again. And I like that you don't pick anything. You don't have to look at your loadouts. You don't have to yeah. pick your weapons. It's an even playing field for everybody. And the maps that we played, the interior of the warehouse was very close quarters, whereas the forest, while still not a giant map, provided a little bit more strategy. And that's where they gave us the rocket launcher. Um, and it's 
it's so frenetic because like you get a glimpse of somebody and you immediately just start firing right away because you don't you know the time is ticking yeah and so you you're forced to engage right away and it's just such a fun addition and I'm so glad that they brought this on because it iterates on the traditional Call of Duty modes that we've seen of the past in a such a different way that it's going to bring people like Greg and I back to the table to be like hey let me let me rediscover this you know yeah yeah, because there's just that it was just that energy of it and how fast it was. I know we keep saying fast, but how fast it was of because you'll start and you'll move and you'll see people at the other end of the screen. Right. Yeah. But if it's pistols and knives, what, what are you going to do? Right. So you have to like you see them it's go one way, you cut that way. Then you are you going to wait for them? Or are you going to go try to go and engage? So is the weapons that you get right? Like I know it's the, they're always the same, but is it random or is it like based on whatever level you're on? I'm not sure. I think I think it's I, I don't think it's based on level because I did have rocket launchers mm-hmm. in the warehouse because I don't think I ever played Forest. I think we I, me and Brandon oh, okay. only played warehouse. Um, but I think it's the game doing it. So I would imagine the game has specific pairings it wants to give you. I don't think it's just like totally random where you're going to get like frag grenade and stun grenade. Fuck shit. You know, it's a shitty match. But like. That I would sounds ima- fun. Yeah, right. But that's the thing is, it, it does. It's, it reminds me so much of like Goldeneye. Yeah, that's exactly. Oh man, that's cool. Yeah, it was really, really cool, and I can't wait to play more of that. And the two v two dynamic is really interesting because you really have to strategize. Are you going to roll together? Are you going to yeah. split up? Brandon and I would go to different sides and engage out, right, and try yeah. to get them, try to flush them in the center, call it out. That was the thing. We're screaming at each other and where people are. This reminds me of uh, in Halo 2, there was a, a match type that got really popular called Shoddy Snipers. Yeah. That was 2v2. Mm-hmm. And one person would have a shotgun, one person would have a sniper. And like that just set up such great. On Ascension, baby, Dude, let's go. So cool. Let's go. That sounds great, though. Yeah. Yeah, it's, yeah. It was really fun. And then they announced that the full multiplayer reveal will be happening on August, August 1st. 1st. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Ooh, so. Soon. Any more Call of Duty stuff, or can we move on? That's no, because no, the other I mean, stuff we saw, we can't talk super about. Super fast gotcha. mode, super fun to shoot. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> there you go. Sea of Solitude. Ooh. Yeah, quite a pivot here in tone. Um, so Sea of Solitude is a small little indie art title from a team called Joy May Games. They first really kind of debuted it in, in earnest at EA Play last year, and then uh, Cornelio Geppert, who's the lead writer uh, and the head of the studio, was back at EA Play doing a bunch of interviews this year, and she's done a ton of press. So I've known Connie for several years. Um, she's been a friend of mine in the games industry, and I was just really personally excited for her that they got to finally launch this game because this game is such a personal experience for her even at the very beginning of the game there's a screen that comes up that says this is a a story about loneliness and despair and about mental health and there'll be these very serious themes that we discuss almost like a trigger warning at the beginning of the game and the journey that the lead character k goes on chapter by chapter is essentially her confronting these demons or these monsters in her life that represent different things. One is her own personal monster. One is the monster that her brother becomes and the monster of, of her parents, the monster of a, a an ex-boyfriend. And the stories of them are each very different and how they affected Kay's life and how Kay kind of needs to clear this corruption from these chapters. And there's a lot of metaphor, but... The thing I think that really sets this game apart as an emotional narrative than other games that we've seen semi-recently, even like a game like Celeste, is that Celeste felt more like almost like an allegory and that there was a lot of room for interpretation for the player to kind of make that story their own. Whereas this is very much 
Yeah. Connie's story yeah, yeah. and the narrative is the focus of this game whereas the mechanics are not really the focus but you clear corruption through these different spots in the world and then the corruption goes into a backpack so you're literally holding that mm. negative energy and weight like on your back throughout the game and there was just certain chapters that really spoke to me more than others one chapter I actually just full on started crying during because it was like it reminded me so much of something that happened in my own life that I wasn't expecting. I hadn't thought about this moment that had happened for a really long time. And then the way that it represented and manifested in the game was just really powerful. And I think that's why it's been such a divisive game critically because a lot of people don't know how to feel about this because the gameplay elements are very basic. The puzzles aren't difficult. The traversal is just like very simple platforming. I really love the art style and what the animator did, but I think some people are upset that the gameplay um, isn't stronger than it is. But that didn't bother me because I think I went into this knowing it was going to be a mostly narrative experience. Almost like an Edith Finch type experience is what um, Steimer was comparing it to. And I think that that's a good, um, a good comparison. It is broken up into different chapters in that way, too. Um, so if, if it's her story and it's her confronting her demons. Mm -hmm. uh, what it, it's not hyper realistic. It's not realistic in the way of like you're marching through a town, your town fighting your brother. Is It's like, you, uh, no. Yeah, it's it's almost like a dream world. Okay. So it's set in like this almost underwater version of Berlin and you you start out on a boat and a lot of the city is sunken underwater and then as you go through different chapters like the world transforms to kind of match what's happening um, and you end up in this like frozen over world at the end and I think there's a lot of you know, things that you can draw from inspiration as to okay. what that means in the world okay. in relationship to what's happening in the narrative. And I, I'm trying to speak about it vaguely because I sure, don't sure. want to don't spoil it. give it away because it is such a heavy narrative experience. And so I don't want to go too much into detail about what happens. It in reminds the chapters, me from the description you're giving of like Papa and Yo. Remember that? Yes. Right? That's, a, it, that's another good it example. Was, uh, the, the kid with the giant monster that represents his, dad, his dad's alcoholism, mm -hmm. right? Which is, again, autobiographical. Like that sounds interesting. Yeah, so I really enjoyed my time with it. I played it in a single night. It's um, just a few hours. I would say maybe like anywhere from two to four hours, depending on how fast you explore. The one thing that I think they could have just left out altogether is they put a collectible system in, mm. and it didn't really make sense to me because this is not something I want to go back and play again just to get the collectibles because it was such an intense experience. Uh, but there's like these seagulls that you shoe, and then I like that the seagull goes up and then it lets you see the overworld, but I think the idea of like collecting 39 seagulls or whatever it is throughout the world just it felt it just felt like a miss because yeah, that there's seems really like a mashup right of two ideas. Yeah, there's not really a sense of a, a need to explore, though. I do love the the way that they designed the, the world in this game. But it's not like you're going to go find like a treasure or an item mm -hmm. or something around a corner. And it's then they also have seagulls of solitude. Exactly. Hey. And then they have a message in a bottle system going with the, the Sea of Solitude theme. Um, but the messages on the bottles aren't particularly poignant to the overall story. And so I think like they could have just scrapped the collectible mm. system and it would have been, the game would have been better for it. Stronger, yeah. Um, but overall, I thought it was really powerful. I think games like this are very difficult to make because these issues of depression and loneliness and mental health and the conflict that we have in our interpersonal relationships and all the emotions and feelings that come along with that are inherently going to be difficult to make into a video game. And that's why I feel it almost feels more like an interactive story or an interactive piece of 
art than it does a game in that sense. And that's why I feel it's like such a different style of experience than a game like Celeste that also had a big emotional yeah. impact on me. But you recommend it? Yes, okay. absolutely. Definitely recommend it. I mean, it's like I said, it's a, it's a smaller game. I think it's fourteen ninety nine. Um, EA provided me with a code to play the game. Um, I'm not sure. I'd have to look at the platforms you can get it on. But I think it's on all of the platforms. PlayStation 4 for sure. That's what I downloaded. It yeah. Um, so I played it on it PS4. It's just you're not making choices, are you? It's just no. The there's story. no. There's no uh, narrative branches at all. Um, you're almost like observing the story more. Um, the gameplay really comes from you walking through the world um, and then clearing corruption from certain areas. And then when you clear the corruption, you unlock like a almost like a ghost of yourself that shines a light through the monster that's blocking your path ahead. And so, I mean, that in and of itself like speaks to like clearing this negative energy from your life to push through your demons like quite literally um and so as you go through each chapter how you clear that corruption or how you move the demon or the monster that's blocking your path changes chapter to chapter so i thought that was a nice touch that they changed it up it's not the same because it could it would have gotten pretty repetitive if they hadn't used the same mechanic in each chapter but each monster has a little bit of a different mechanic attached mm. to it but yeah, the voiceover that they use is like, it feels really real, particularly the scene between the parents was like really hard um, to listen to, like listen to their dialogue back and forth. But in each, in each scene, I think will speak differently to people depending on, you know, what they've experienced in their own life. So yeah, cool. Shit. Yeah. But the, um, so it was released on July 5th. It's on PS4, Xbox One and Windows. There you go. So I think that's through EA Origin. Makes sense. It might be on Steam. Don't know. Hmm. Unclear. I'm looking. Well, ladies and gentlemen, this hmm. has been the Kind of Funny Games cast. Thank you very much for joining us this week. We will return next week as we do every week because that's how podcasts work. Until then, I love you. <laughs>